Fly Pod. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 63 of the Fly Rod Podcast. I am your host, Anthony, a.k.a. Tony Playboy, a.k.a. Nine Toes and Impossible, a.k.a. Zion Watchers. And look, I have an exciting show for you today. Originally, we were going to get into the NFC playoff picture on this episode, but not just yet. One more week. Because this week has a slate of games that I am really excited about that's actually going to tell us a lot about the NSC going forward. Look, we get the Cowboys versus the Washington football team, an old school meaning of Cowboys versus Indians. And this is one of two meetings that they are going to have this season. The Washington football team is currently surging a lot, and the Dallas offense as of late, has looked a little stuck in the mud and has a lot of questions to answer. We are also going to get a Monday night thriller with the Rams versus the Cardinals. The last time these two teams met, the Cardinals embarrassed the Rams, and it wasn't even close. Cardinals winning by 17 points. That's going to make a feature on our five fly. Look, and last but not least, we have the Bears versus Packers, a personal favorite of mine, a big, big rivalry game from my hometown team. One, Justin Fields is going to be back this weekend. The Bears should have a big chip on their shoulder after Aaron Rodgers did his whole I own you stick during their last meetup this year. So for me, this Bears game is definitely going to be about pride and about respect and them enforcing their wills this weekend regardless of the scoreboard but you will also see that this will not make my five fly picks so you can kind of guess how i feel about this one so instead this week we are going to get into some special stuff we are going to get into some spicy russell wilson rumors my five fly picks for week 14 of the nfl the fly route for the Pacers rebuild and, of course, giving a big, big, big baller's bouquet to Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. All right, let's get right into it. Welcome to the tee-off. Ooh, 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 spread that tea, sis. This is how I like to start the show off. I like to spill some tea on our favorite athletes and some of the crazy situations they get themselves into. We got to talk about Russell Wilson because there's a little bit of tea to spill here. Recently on the Schultz Report, if y'all are familiar with Jordan Schultz, reportedly Russell Wilson, like team entourage, etc., whatever you want to call it, leaked that he wants to waive his no-trade clause for a couple of teams coming this off, upcoming offseason. The three teams that were listed were the Giants, the Broncos, and the Saints. This came after reports that it is unlikely that Russell wants to remain with the Seattle Seahawks going into next season. The team is struggling mightily this season. His offseason complaints about being the most sad QB in the league, having an offense that just isn't really working for him. Uh, those things don't seem to be really changing so far. Now, I will say it's important to premise this, preface this. Meeting with the media on Thursday, Russell Wilson vehemently denied these rumors. He was like, look, I want to be with the Seattle Seahawks for the next 20 years. And there were two things about this for me. Look, the first thing is, one, whenever someone uses a grand hyperbole in a situation like this, the next 20 years, it's a red flag for me. 
they're doing a little bit extra to avoid being succinct and say things in terms that make them feel locked in, if you know what I mean. They want you to know that it's an exaggeration, right? But at the same time, they want to try to quell some fears around what's going on. And seeing as they're in the middle of a season, I don't blame him for wanting to do that. Yes, they are not doing too great, but they're coming off of a win last week. And I can understand why Russell Wilson wants to try to keep the noise to a minimum until the end of the season. The second thing is, whenever things get out, it's generally because somebody wants them out for what's the reason. You remember all the Deshaun Watson rumors this year that were heavy and everywhere. Mm, Were all these teams really looking in for Deshaun Watson, or did Houston want them to think that people were looking in for Deshaun Watson? And that's really kind of where I'm at now. Russell Wilson rounding out the season, only four or five games left, and some teams are on the bubble. Some teams are already planning for next season. And he wants them to know, hey, y'all, I'm available. You may have to push a little harder than you would like, but I'm right here. Think about me. And any of those three teams, you know, the Giants, the Saints, the Broncos, I'm thinking of all of them. The one that definitely needs to take this hint is the Denver Broncos. Now, look, this seems picture perfect for Denver because basically the entirety of the Denver Broncos history has been very hard for them to get quarterback right. Outside of John Elway, there's really not been a drafted quarterback for the Denver Broncos that was that guy, right? Since Elway actually took over, For the team in the front office, look, they have done a lot of things to fill quarterback. And the only thing that really worked for them was what they did with Peyton Manning. What it is clear that they know how to do in Denver is build the rest of the ship and make it top notch. But what they right now are really looking for is a top notch, already experienced pilot to fly that baby. And Denver needs to take a home run swing. And I really believe this. Peyton Manning was a home run swing. Russell Wilson is a home run swing. Everything since Peyton Manning at quarterback for the Denver Broncos has been a bunt. Nothing too risky. They're just trying to get to first. Brock Eisweiler, second round pick. Trevor Simeon, seventh round pick. Paxton Lynch, who actually was a first round pick, but at pick 26 and the only other QBs Picked in that round, we're at one and two. So they took a swing at a fall ball, and we have no idea why. Drew Locke, second round pick. Free agent deals with Joe Flacco, Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater. That's not what they need. Russell Wilson is the type of move that they need to make things work. You can't get it right on your own. Buy it. Buy it. That's what you do. And I know people were saying, look, Russell Wilson, he's 34 years old. So Aaron Rodgers is 38. Tom Brady is 44. Peyton Manning was 36 when he joined the Denver Broncos. And people thought he was on his last leg. Gave them four seasons, two Super Bowl runs, one Super Bowl ring. Look, Russell Wilson still has a ton of great footballer in front of him. People also say, look, Russell Wilson. He's getting paid $40 million a year and wants an extension. Exactly. And that's why Denver should do it. Denver has moved their roster in such a strategic way. Like, this is such good GM work that they actually have the ability to absorb that contract and be fine. 
They are projected to have the second most cap space in the league this season. 60 plus million dollars. They can afford Russell Wilson cap-wise without gutting their team. They have their picks. They can give those up because what Seattle definitely needs in a rebuild is picks, picks, and picks because they gave up a lot of them for win-now moves. Let's call them that. They really did not show up to what they wanted to be. All that being said, Denver is still a massively talented roster with all this cap space. Why? Because they hit really well on the draft on other positions outside of QB. 2021 draft, they got Patrick Sertan and Javante Williams in the first and second round. Both look like studs. We saw Javante Williams go nuts last week with Melvin Gordon out. Leads the league in broken tackles with that type of a workload, so low. 2020, they had Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. 2019, they got Noah Fant. This team is stacked on the offensive end with Cortland Sutton to add to all those wide receivers as well. Melvin Gordon is a luxury, not a necessity for this team. Their defense has Ronald Darby on it, has Bradley Chubb on it still, Shelby Harris. I already talked about Patrick Sertan. This is a great team that can lose some pieces and Russell Wilson can still be successful on. This team has built one of the best defenses in the NFL yet again. That's consistently what they do. They give up about 18 points a game. What was the last thing Russell Wilson did with a lights out defense? We were talking Super Bowl contention when that was the case. He wants back into a winning situation. And I feel like Denver is the ready-built model. Like, absent the Aaron Rodgers thing, which there's a lot of talk about, rightfully so, this is really what Denver needs to go for. And that was your tee-off. Ooh, 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 spread that tea, sis. Spread that tea, sis. It's a a Playboy affair. All right, all right. Let's hop up into the two-minute warning. Y'all already know what it is. I'm going to give you some of the hottest sports news of the week in two minutes or less. Let's start off with the Minnesota Timberwolves action. What it is? Yo, why are the Minnesota Timberwolves taking all of these shots at Rudy Gobert of late? Like, all I can see is we got a quote from Patrick Beverly, who, of course, is one of my favorite NBA players because he is just, he's a menace. Patrick Beverly over there talking trash, saying that he is shocked that while the Utah Jazz came up with a great game plan, Rudy Gobert, supposedly defensive player of the year, can't guard Carl Anthony Towns. Anthony Edwards saying, ain't nobody scared of Rudy Gobert. He's just a guy. And there's there are two things for me here. Like, one, wow. Why is Rudy Gobert catching so many strays? Rudy Gobert is a guy that, like, rarely talks, right? Like, what is the last negative thing that we have Rudy Gobert saying about a player? But Rudy Gobert is catching shots because I think the media narrative is starting to swing back the other way after years of Rudy Gobert being a little undervalued. He is now being... Very valued, getting a lot of attention from the media. And it looks like some players are throwing shots because they don't think that attention is well-deserved because of the way the Rudy plays. They Look, this was a big thing, especially in the playoffs, when Giannis wasn't guarding KD. Giannis at the four, KD at the three. They were like, Giannis has to guard KD. That guy is the two-time defensive player of the year. This guy has MVPs. If he's that guy, he has to be guarding KD. I don't care if he's a help defender. And I was like, yo, that's reasonable. There's like a little bit of a mismatch in athletic ability there. 
the shiftiness, the lateral movements, etc. But I don't think that actually applies for Cat and Rudy Gobert. If a five is working a five because that guy can't guard him, Rudy Gobert's defense is very situational then. We've seen him get exposed in the playoffs. This isn't new. I mean, it probably doesn't help that the Timberwolves lost by like 30. So, you know, they're a little bit salty. But I was really interested in those comments because Rudy Gobert's character arc is shaky at best right now, the way that people are trying to understand him in the NBA. Let's move on. Leave Zion alone. God damn. Look, if y'all aren't already hip to everything that's going around, there was a recent Photoshop image of Zion Williamson in a red track suit, making him look significantly more overweight than he has. It went super viral. Zion has been in target for his weight his entire career, but especially this offseason, things have went into overdrive with the memes, NBA, Twitter, etc. And like, One, y'all got to leave Zion alone. Zion was dealing with the foot injury. He is not going to lose weight and get into game shape with a foot injury because he can't do any of the cardio things that would slim him instead of build muscle. Now, of course, there's alternative forms of cardio, but you're not going to see a drastic slimming down of Zion in the offseason when he can't work out. Now, people then saw a more recent image of Zion that was not Photoshopped. Zion actually looks pretty slim. Zion does not look like he's 300 pounds. Zion looks like he's probably in the 280s again, maybe 270s. And yes, there still needs to be more work done on Zion. But this is an NBA player with a lot of potential dealing with setbacks. And the narrative on this has just gone way, way, way too far. Let's keep it moving. Dame Lillard is making demands, and I like that. Look, Dames is reportedly saying that he's interested in a $107 million extension for two years. Now, people are making it seem like it's an ultimatum type of extension. Dame is saying that's cap because Dame has been responding directly to a lot of his critics and people speaking on him. But he is saying there is some truth to it. He does want that money. He also has been very vocal about wanting the team to get better. And after firing their general manager, the Chauncey Billups hire being mirrored in a little bit of controversy and not working out immediately. Damon saying he's interested in playing with players like Ben Simmons. Go ahead and grab him. Saying he wants his extension. More news is being leaked out on Dame. It's not that Dame wants out anymore because every time someone tries to announce the Dame wants out rumor, Dame shoots it down. Dame is like cat. But we're seeing more leaks, more leaks, and they're getting closer and closer to the truth based off the way Davis responded to them. And I like this because it seems like he's going to give the Blazers the opportunity to make something happen or we will soon be doing our what play, what team should Dame Glitter go to trade carousel once again. All right, let's move into some NFL action. All right, all right. In some NFL news, the Lions are the dog's dog, and I'm loving it. They got their first win this weekend. That's huge. I am really happy for the Lions as people, the team, I don't know. So if y'all listen to the podcast frequently, we had Sam, frequent friend of the pod on, who talked about how the Lions could not go 0-16-1. And actually, the Lions would go on a streak here at the end with a couple of games and possibly screw themselves out of the number one pick in the draft. I was buying that when he said it because it's super Lions. And I feel like 
they are on pace to make that thing happen. They need to win two more games. If you didn't know, the Lions are 4-0 against the spread in the last four weeks. They have really started putting things together, getting games close again like they were earlier in the season when they were having their hearts just broken. I I think the Lions are going to Lions this one up more than the Lions could ever lie in them. And it's crazy that that statement makes sense. Last but definitely not least. What is Kirk Cousins. I got to talk about this because, you know, Marquise, friend of the show from the cover four with the guys, he had Kirk Cousins pretty high up on a list of the top 10 players from last week, even though he took an L to the Lions that we were talking about just now. And I think that, while he might have been a little bit too high for my taste. There is a conversation that needs to happen around Kirk Cousins, his season, particularly this year, and whether or not he deserves a ton of slack. In a way, he gets a lot of the blame for what's going on in Minnesota, even though he's throwing a lot of touchdowns, very few interceptions, a ton of yards. Like, Kirk Cousins might be the most underrated quarterback in the NFL this season. Like, just look and get the stats. It's really hard to think that maybe we need to put some respect on Kirk Cousins' name. But that was your two-minute warning. Let's keep things moving pretty quickly here. And I'm like, I want to get into the five fly picks for this week. And woo, last week was a good week for me. If we count the Thursday night game that I gave y'all would make a total of six picks. I went four and two. Wow, wow, wow. Like a A, I mean, I took an L. The Seahawks came back. The 49ers really disappointed. That was one that I could not see coming. I kind of that one kind of blindsided me, but doing pretty well so far. We're getting back on track. Let's get you this week's picks. Now, first off, I want to talk about the 49ers versus the Bengals. I'm taking the Bengals minus one and a half here. Both of these teams are banged up, but I like the Bengals to come out on top in basically a pick game. San Francisco is down Debo Samuels and seems to also now be down Elijah Mitchell, who is dealing with both a concussion and a knee injury. San Francisco relies heavily on their run game, and I don't think that they have the necessary tools to be able to rely on that run game as much in this game. They have Jermichael Hasty, probably running back one here. I think that those that that guy struggled this season. And the Bengals have a good run defense. It's only given up about 92 yards a game. That's fourth best in the league. Coming off an explosive letdown game against the Chargers, I expect the Bengals to bounce back and bounce back hard at home after dealing with a little bit of an embarrassing week. The second pick here is the Bills versus Tampa Bay. I have Tampa Bay minus three and a half. The Bills have now played four teams with a winning record this season and are one in three in those games. The one game they won was when Kansas City was bad. This team mops up bad teams and cannot compete with good teams. I do not know why we're not talking about the Bills like we were talking about the Rams a couple weeks ago. They cannot run the ball, and it's allowed defenses to make them one-dimensional. Now, put that against Tampa Bay, who is the league's best run defense, only giving up 84 yards a game. Tampa Bay is also 4-1. and one against the spread at home this season. This Bills defense is overrated. And don't forget that Tampa Bay scores the most points per game in the league. I like Tampa in a blowout. Now, 
keep it moving. A little bit of an AFC North showdown. I've been loving betting these games. We got the Ravens versus the Browns. I got the Ravens plus two and a half. There are concerns about the Ravens offense right now, and I will be honest with you, they are all quite valid, every single one of them. However, Cleveland has looked abysmal as of late and just lost to the Ravens where Lamar has played one of his worst games as a professional ever. The Browns are 2-4 and four against the spread as home favorites like this week, and the Ravens are 2-0 and oh as underdogs and 3-0 and oh with the rest disadvantage against the spread this year. I like a bounce-back game for Lamar Jackson, putting things a little bit together in the continuation of the Browns' collapse. Now, my fourth pick. This is a game that I struggled with picking. Chargers and the Giants. Chargers at home, and I'm taking the minus 10.5. I almost vomited saying this one, honestly, but hear me out. The numbers for this game line up weird. The Giants are actually 5-2 against the spread after a loss. The Chargers, on the other hand, are 2-5 as a favorite in general, 2-4 at home. But the Giants may have to start Jake Fromm at quarterback since Mike Glennon is in concussion protocol after having a bad game against the Dolphins in which they lost by 11, mind you be, and the Dolphins are not as good as the Chargers in my opinion. But also, Daniel Jones is still out with that neck injury. This line may get smaller as the Chargers are dealing with some COVID issues, but there are some reports of some negative tests coming in that might give them some of these players back. But all in all, Austin Eckler still on the table, Justin Herbert still on the table, and the majority of that defense. And I find them in a good place against the Chargers team that's been a little wonky as of late. Now, last pick here is another Monday night thriller. I'm loving putting the Monday night games into the slots here for the five fly picks. The Rams versus the Cardinals. I like this. Cardinals minus two and a half. I have no idea how this spread is so small. The Cardinals are at home this time. And earlier this season, they beat the Rams by 17 points on the road. But this is just Way too general. The car- generous. The Cardinals are nine and three against the spread for this season. The Rams, on the other hand, are five and seven on the season and two and four as their away team. Since week three against Tampa Bay, the Rams have not beat a team with an over five hundred records. The Rams superstar fireworks show is going to get extinguished on Monday night for the world to see as the Cardinals solidify their dominance over the NFC. Those are my five fly picks. Let me know if you're going to tail with them. Are you going to fade any of them? I'd love to hear it in the comments. You can always hit me up on Twitter at the fly route pod or Instagram. Same handle. And let's keep things running on to the Pacers. Now, look, the Indiana Pacers are reportedly going for a big, big rebuild. This is something their owner did not want to do for quite some time, even though the GM really wanted it. And they are trying to tear it down and build it back up. This is something that I personally found surprising, but they said Sabonis or Miles Turner will be on the trading block as well as Karis LeVert. Now, you know how I feel already about the Pacers and making a play for Kyrie Irving. There's already a video out out on it on the YouTube channel where I think it'd be a perfect trade to give the Brooklyn Nets that five rim protector that they do not have and get Kyrie into a market where he can actually start playing ball. But it sounds like they are not interested in being competitive anymore. 
they want to fully rebuild to make what I assume they would like to call a championship roster. So where does that go? I want to give you the fly route for these three players that they have put on the market to make the best trades for the uh, for the Indiana Pacers. Now let's start off with my guy, Miles Turner. Now I think the best trade out here is going to be for the Warriors. The Warriors finally get to solve their hole at the five by getting Miles Turner and the Pacers would get James Wiseman and Jonathan Kaminga. Two lottery picks with a lot of potential going forward, but are not the win right now. I like Turner over Sabonis in this trade for a little bit of the money matching Matt. To get Sabonis would require a third player for the Warriors, which is not something that I think they want to let go of. And Turner does not need the ball in his hands, can rim run effectively and defend at 6'11". Sabonis does more with the ball in his hands that I think overlaps with Draymond's capabilities. He's not everything Wiseman could be, but he is everything Wiseman has to be this season for Golden State to win it all and in the coming seasons, next two or three years. And all that is is defend DeAndre Ayton and Anthony Davis in the playoffs, get boards, and occasionally space the floor because Draymond Green exists. Miles Turner is shooting 39% from three this season, almost five attempts per game. He's a career 35% shooter from three, so he's definitely a stretch big that can get those boards and defend the way that they need him to. If the Pacers are really going to blow it up for rebuild, then this is the trade that does it, gets them two very high potential players. If the choice is to move Sabonis instead of to move Turner, I think things are pointing more towards the Portland Trailblazers, in my opinion. That is the fly route for moving Sabonis. Now, I like the Portland Trailblazers because the Blazers are still deciding whether or not they want to make Dame happy. And if they want to make Dame happy and stay, a good shot is actually getting Sabonis. Now, first off, his contract, Sabonis' contract, is super value for a player of his caliber and skills. He only makes $18.5 million a year and is signed for the next three years. On the other hand, C.J. McCollum is making in the 30s. That, that, that is something for you to kind of get here. And if you are trying to make a move without losing C.J., and the GM has the power to kind of mortgage some of the future along, I think the trade would be Larry Nance Jr., Anthony Simons, and Nasir Little, a 2023 first-round pick and the 2024 second-round pick for Sabonis. Now, I know this is kind of a haul. It takes away a lot of Portland's youth, a lot of Portland's youth. But Portland's youth only matters if you are deciding that you're not going to try to win now and win for Dame. That is just it. Otherwise, you need to get rid of that youth and get someone that can be that difference maker on this team. Give them that front score court playmaker that they have been missing for damn near half a decade. Melo was actually a good fill-in spot for that, but Melo was mostly providing them scoring, not providing them a lot of the distribution of the ball and things that they could use to take some of that pressure off of Dame and allow Dame to move around without the ball as much. I actually think that that would be really good for this team. They don't have as much depth, but they have a real scorer that can make moves and make assists out of the post. That adds a whole nother dimension to this Blazers team. And hopefully it's something that makes Dame want to buy in Quite a lot of the rumors allows them to build a big three around Dame, CJ, and Sabonis. Now, 
the last guy on the hit list for the Pacers to move is Karis LeVert. And Karis LeVert's an interesting guy because Karis LeVert is having a down season, to say the least, right now. He's only averaging like 15 points a game. He averages around 20 a game for his career. He even averaged 20 a game last year in only 25 games, right? After Karis LeVert went through the trade and then they found the tumor and they got it out, et cetera. Let's keep it moving. For me, Karis LeVert, the sneaky place to put him will be the Pelicans. And I think that after losing Lonzo in the backcourt, they can really use a upgrade in that backcourt for someone whose timeline fits better with Zion and Bandam Ingram. Because Karis LeVert is a little bit on a downswing right now, you can buy cheap. The Pelicans are a team that needs to buy cheap because they're trying to make their core work. Now, look, here's what I say. You give the Pacers Thomas Sadoransky, who's basically salary filler from the Bulls trade, Kira Lewis, who is the firmer first-round pick point guard with some potential, and a second-round pick or two. Maybe it might actually have to be two second-round picks, but the Pelicans have a ton of second-round picks from the moves that they made this offseason. Those two second-round picks, Thomas Sadoransky, Kira Lewis, gets you Karis LeVert. Him and Devontae Graham can easily be a dynamic backcourt for you to the compliment Brandon Ingram, compliment Lonzo Ball, both great shooters, both can space the floor. I actually think this is a sneaky move that nudges the Pelicans forward another step without losing too much. And each of those nudges are going to be really important to building this team back into relevancy. Those are my fly routes for the plates that the Pacers are trying to move. I'm very interested to see what y'all think about these trades and what's really going to happen for the Pacers. Is the full teardown actually happening? Galatani Playboy. Welcome to the final segment of the show, the heart of the show, Ballers Bouquet. Too often in the media, people only want to focus on the negative and salacious things athletes do and never want to give them their credit where credit is due. Here, I like to make a change. And this week's Ballers Bouquet goes to Seattle Seahawks two-time Pro Bowler Tyler Lockett for his lighted up foundation. All right, so Tyler Lockett is a Tulsa, Oklahoma native. And through his Lighted Up Foundation, he has put a lot of work into his hometown and the surrounding areas, as well as other communities he has a direct connection to, such as Seattle and Kansas State University, where he went to college. Now, look, all of these things that he has done are admirable in and of itself, but the collection of them really shows the type of person Tyler Lockett is and how committed he is to making a change in his communities. Now, first off, Tyler has established college scholarship programs, holiday dinners for the homeless, and assistance to Black-owned businesses to kind of reinvigorate Tulsa, Oklahoma. He talks about Black Wall Street, which frequent listeners of the pod heard us talk about the documentary that Russell Westbrook did on Tulsa, Oklahoma for Black Wall Street and how supporting Black businesses through assistance is important for him to help them catch back up to that step that they lost in that tragedy. Now, his college scholarship program, he selected seven students for this year, and they each and they 
total received $34,000 of scholarships money. He also provided $10,000 to the Kansas State football team to update some of their technology that their program uses. When he donated to the homeless, he gave $32,000 worth of clothing, shoes, and food. He also, and this is a really big part of this, has a job shadow program. And this is important because he identifies high school seniors in Tulsa from disadvantaged backgrounds, neighborhoods, et cetera, and gives them the opportunity to learn in industries all across different subject matters. Some of them got to intern at the Seattle Seahawks. Some of them work with companies, et cetera, but mostly getting them exposed to things outside of their neighborhood, getting them exposed to different cultures, workplaces, et cetera, giving them connections that can help them excel and exceed in life. Now, COVID did kind of put a damper on this program, but what he did in replacement of it was gave $10,000 to 12 students in the community instead until he can ramp back up the program and get them in those rooms that people from those backgrounds so frequently are excluded from. All of this is extremely important, and that's why Tyler Lockett is actually one of the nominees for the Walton Payton Men of the Year Award this year, an award the NFL gives to someone that shows exceptional community service and excellence as a player. And that was this week's Ballers Bouquet. All right, that's it for episode 63. I appreciate all of you all for rocking out with me, getting into the nitty gritty of what's going on. We got some things coming up, some new changes. Appreciate y'all sticking through, whether you're listening on YouTube, Apple Music, Audia, Spotify. Make sure that you follow the Flyer Out podcast at the Flyer Out pod on all social media platforms. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe wherever you're fucking watching right now. And I cannot wait to give you the next episode next Friday. The Flyer Out pod. The Flyer Out pod. The Flyer Out pod. The Flyer Out pod. The Flyer Out pod.